0: This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot of good stuff to get to today. Patrick Royce and Chip Scoggins will join me for a little bit of a bonus interview later on in the show. I caught up with them out at the State Fair last week to talk about the new book they just collaborated on, Chip writing it, Patrick being the subject of it. Um, name of that book being, of course, um, "Tales from Minis- "Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat," "A Lifetime on Deadline." Buy that wherever you can find your favorite books, but just some some fun. Talk about the book, about that process, and of course, once you get Roycey going on some stories, uh, you don't want to shut off the record button. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. Just a little bit of amusement before we get too deep into the football, football, football season. Before we get too, you know, too deep into um, a time when we might not have an opportunity to uh, to get to that. So we're gonna run that back today. We're also gonna talk about start of the NFL season, which is today. Some interesting stuff I read the other day on Russell Wilson. I've got an interesting Kirk Cousins stat I want to share with you as well towards the end of the show. But first, what did I miss? I hope hope you missed it. I hope you didn't watch the Twins versus Yankees doubleheader. Twins losing game one in nightmare fashion. 5-4 in 12 innings. Um, I don't think you could have scripted a worst way to lose when you've got a bunch of important games up coming up, you know, to have to burn through some of your best pitchers and still lose that game. Um, And then the the nightcap predictably they lose seven to one. Get a little bit of a break on the whole day when the Royals rally to beat uh the Guardians two to one. They got two runs in the bottom of the ninth to win that game. So the Twins two back of Cleveland Chicago White Sox also two back of Cleveland pulling even with the Twins although the White Sox have one more win and one more loss so technically the Twins a percentage point or two ahead of them but not looking great they're still though they're still in the mix but the larger point I want to make right now is I think I've identified and we've probably talked about this over the course of the year uh, on this show but I think I've identified what what the problem is here why why there's this disconnect between a team that has you know by and large been in contention all year but just hasn't really hasn't really captured the imagination of folks and you know it, it's not overly complicated but I felt like uh, I felt like Wednesday's double header really underscored the problem and that is with this team you know what's coming and it's not fun and i mean that in a couple different ways one is is kind of this it's kind of a joyless brand of baseball and it was exemplified in game 1 louis varland uh making his major league debut for the twins you know north st paul native been a great story rising through the minor league system uh, minor league pitcher of the year last year Great for A Wichita early this year. Great for the Saints. Gets his debut in Yankee Stadium and pitches a great game. It's, he gets through five innings with one run allowed. They let him come out for the sixth, which, again, I, I was surprised, right? We, we've got a team here where you are surprised when a pitcher who is pitching well is allowed to start a sixth inning. And I know, this isn't just the Twins this is the way that baseball goes by and large these days right pitchers are limited a lot more um, you know six innings is the new seven innings seven innings is the new eight innings nobody goes deep in games anymore really unless you are you know an ace of a staff unless you have this reputation you know five innings is the new six whatever however you want to say it um, it keeps getting you know pushed down pushed down and then more 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 reliance on the bullpen but Varland is cruising along gives up a hit in the uh, in in the in the sixth then gets an out and then uh, Aaron Judge back at the plate he'd homered off of Varland early in the game Varland sitting at 80 pitches and you know exactly what is coming he is going to come out of the game twins winning or up 3-1 at that point and even when the move is defensible even when you can say when you can look at it intellectually and say okay he's at 80 pitches he's in his major league debut he's probably you know pumped through a ton of adrenaline already the guy coming up right now is on pace to, you know, set an American league record for home runs. He's, you know, having an amazing season. He's already homered off of him. Even when intellectually a move makes sense, you know that what's coming is this guy's coming out of the game after five and a third innings. It's the same thing that happens time and time again this year. And even when the move works out, and I bet that even we would look at it and say on balance, it probably works out a little bit more than it doesn't. Um, even when it works out, it's not. Fun. It's a. It's not a fun way to watch a game when you know somebody who is doing well is not going to be able to to continue in the game. And in this case, he comes out. Griffin Jacks almost immediately gives up a game tying two run home run. And they go to extra innings after you know a bunch of scoreless innings. Yankees pull it out in the bottom of the twelfth after the Twins had taken a four three lead. And that's another thing. You kind of knew at that point. Um, after Carlos Correa failed to extend the lead in the top of the 12th, you knew that the Yankees were going to rally and beat the Twins, which is exactly what happened in this game. So you know it's coming and it's not fun in a couple different senses. Like I said, one, it's this kind of joyless brand of baseball that's, you know, again, that's, it's, you know, smart to a degree, but also overthinks the game sometimes, doesn't leave enough room for the feel, the context, whatever you want to say about the game. And even when the move makes sense intellectually, it's not fun. And I think people have a problem with that. And it certainly is not fun to always lose to the Yankees, to always lose to these best teams. Um, Megan Ryan had a a stat in her game story. Twins, something like, "It's it's just ridiculous. Against the Yankees now since 2002, The Twins have just gotten absolutely clobbered. I think that what's the final, what's 98 and 37 the Yankees are against the Twins. So Twins 37 and 98 against the Yankees since 2002. That's just absurd. That is a terrible, obviously terrible record over 135 games. That is amazingly bad in that span. (laughs) The The Yankees are 53 and 13 against the Twins in New York during that span. So you know that when they go against these good teams when they go against the Yankees in particular they are going to struggle the record against other division leaders this year not Cleveland but talking about the you know three of the best teams in baseball this year the Astros Dodgers and Yankees they're 1 and 15 against those teams now 1 and 15 the one win is against the Yankees they're 1 and 5 against the Yankees 0 6 against the Astros 0 and 4 against the Dodgers and you know still they're still in this race they're being propped up by an awful American League Central, any other division, they would be trailing by double digits. And, you know, they're going to be in it to the end. Rocco Baldelli talked post-game about how he doesn't want to hear about, you know, good efforts against these good teams. He doesn't want to hear about anything else. They're
1: just trying to win games. So let's play the Rocco quote before I finish with a couple other thoughts. The, defi- the division itself is just up for grabs. And, and we're, we may not know who wins our division um, until the very end of the year. Uh and even that, I mean, I don't even worry about that in any way, shape, or form. I worry about today's game, and uh, nothing else matters. If you win your ball game on that given day, really nothing else matters. You've taken care of business, and you have done everything that you can do. Um, if we're not winning, then I look up and you know spend my time trying to figure out how we can win a ball game. But we're going to worry about tomorrow, and then we're going to worry about uh, Cleveland after that teams that are at the top of their division teams that, uh, go on long runs and and do good things. Um, they're, they're difficult teams to beat. They're more difficult than, than your average team that you're going to run into on your schedule. Um, and they, they beat, uh, they, they win most of their games. I mean, that's, um, I think something that we've seen from, uh, you know, the Yankees and, and the Astros and the Dodgers and those teams that have been kind of in those spots. But, um, they're good teams to, to go up against, and they're good teams to kind of learn a little about yourself when you play them. Um, and I want to beat those teams. I, I don't want to be sitting here talking about how good the Yankees are anymore, or the Astros, or the Dodgers, or any of those teams. I want to talk about our guys uh, and how we find ways to, to win ball ballgames, um, any which way is fine with me. But that's what I'd like to do.
0: Well, that's all well and good, but then go beat these teams. They only have one more chance. Um, probably mercifully for them Thursday. Then the schedule gets a little bit easier in terms of not having to face these, you know, these, the best of the best. They've got Cleveland in a huge series starting Friday. We'll have Megan Ryan on Friday's daily delivery, by the way, to talk about that. But, you know, if you want to do it, then do it. Go, go win these games. I know you're decimated by injuries. I know everything is piling up on you, but you know, go go give fans a reason to get behind this team again. It feels like that that winning streak they put together just a you know a couple weeks ago that feels like a couple months ago now everything you know it's just, this up and down and just, this kind of joyless way of going about this is 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 killing any momentum they have and in making fans extra cynical this season. so sports should be fun, and these twins are not fun. MGM Wine & Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there is an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine & Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Chip Scoggins and Patrick Roycey from the Star Tribune. I don't know if you guys know this. Both these guys are columnists at the Star Tribune. And Patrick Royce with Chip has a new book, Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat, A Lifetime on Deadline. So, you guys, um, how long did this take to kind of come together, this book, and what was the genesis of the idea for a, you know, a book with you, Patrick?
2: <laughs> I had to twist his arm. No, I, I, uh, I've been wanting to write a book for a couple years and I wanted to write this book uh, about Pat's life. I've been Pat's colleague for almost 23 years now, and I've heard a lot of his stories and know um, some of his background about his, his dad, Richard, and growing up in Folda. But, um, so I approached Pat, and I knew I had to do it in a certain way because for those that don't know Pat, he has the smallest ego of anybody you'll ever meet. He did not want... Oh, he's a legend. He didn't want the Sid right, statue right. and all that. That that makes him uh, squeamish. So, so I pitched it to Pat, and Pat said, uh, "Let's go to uh, the Gopher Bar in St. Paul and have some coney dogs, and we'll talk about it." So we uh, hashed it out there, and and Pat his uh, his one, I guess, demand is that it was about his life through his stories, right? Him telling stories all his growing up in the business, uh, covering. The different teams here and so he wanted to be a collection of his stories and i think we did that and so we started last spring winter i can't even remember how long it was but we would it took a uh, several months just because of work schedule and vacation and life and but yeah. we would we would meet every sunday at the star tribune early in the morning and we would uh i'd interview pat for five or six hours and then go back and, and that would basically be a chapter we had broken it up into chapters that uh, different areas of his life that we wanted to get to. And, and uh, I think all told, between that and getting back together during the editing process, probably, I am going to say 50 hours?
3: Uh, yeah, I don't know how long it took you to, 50 hours between you between, together. Me and him yeah. together, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot more than 50, yeah. put, it, yeah, yeah. put it together.
2: but 50 hours with me and Pat together. 50 Uh, hours to write a book would be great. You could just do one in a work week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, But, you know, to get to listen to Pat tell stories for 50 hours was um, a career highlight for me. Well, I mean, go ahead, Pat.
3: Uh, Yeah, and it was uh, the idea. This is uh, not a biography, but it's uh, just a collection of stories. And, and, uh, you know, and then... I kind of wrote a precede and a finish and Chip was responsible. I when I wrote the Sid biography in 97 I used to always make fun of Sid being the only sports writer I was going s- to say that. Had, had to have somebody else write his book and now uh, Look at you now. That happened to me too. So uh that's uh well, you know, it's uh my wife wrote it. I was waiting for her uh and she uh, she gave it about a three and a half on a scale of five, so that wasn't too bad. So, uh, is that is that, that better than she gives me on life? So that was uh, <laughs> that was, uh, that, was uh, that was okay. So uh, I know. mean, a,
0: a book with your stories could be a thousand or two thousand pages. Yes. How did you narrow that down?
3: I uh, actually, what we did is what I remembered, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure there's a few that uh, a few quite a quite a number that. Gee, I wish I'd remembered that one, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it was it was it was fun in the end, and uh, I think that uh, uh, most of the reviews I've gotten from people, I guess they're being nice, but they've they've enjoyed it. So it good.
2: doesn't, As Wait, I th-
3: said, it's uh, the price is right because it's not a hardcover, so that's right. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's we uh, had to throw
2: a few stories out. Yeah, <laughs> what what were some of your favorite stories from the book? Or, the, or that didn't make it. Or that you can tell. I, well, my favorite story, and I, I won't give away the uh, the secret, but uh, everybody loves Pat's voice. And that's like the biggest, nah. that's one of the, the, you know, the number one questions I get asked. Is there going to be an audio book for this? It's not as, in the works, as but as if, we, if we could get Pat to read the book, um, you'd have to pay him a lot of money probably mm-hmm. um, to do that. That wasn't in the contract. But uh, when Pat was a young boy... His mom sent him to a certain place to work on his voice because he had bad phlegm or whatever. And I won't well, say where she having, sent him.
3: I was having great. Uh, I'd lose my voice during in the spring and the fall. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, they uh, they were going to teach me how to talk from my diaphragm rather than straight out of my throat. <laughs> that was the deal. So
2: I won't say where they sent him, where his mom sent him. But young Patrick got an education. Yes. I'll leave yes. it at that. Okay, you'll have to buy the book well, and see where she's. was. Her uh, name
3: was Stella Lynchy, was the voice coach, and she lived in a big house uh, somewhere, I think near Lake Harriet. And she was not the only woman there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think others, I know what you're saying. a ten-year-old
2: kid. It was. What, what, what got is a lot this? more than voice there, there lessons. There might have been <laughs> another business going on. A lot more that. than voice lessons. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's right. see. Uh, but I, you know, the, the one they get that I. I think, for me, and, and I'm 50 and I've been in the business, you know, for almost 30 years. But Pat was of the generation where they had different access. Yes. I mean, he he tells a story of, hey, I'm gonna call up Bear Bryant, and he calls up Bear Bryant, and I want to see, a, I can come down and do a column. It's like, can you imagine that today? Or flying on the plane and tapping Bud Grant on the shoulder, and him and Bud Grant having a conversation on the team plane going out to get. I mean. Like, to have that type of access that Pat had to particularly baseball uh, lent itself to just some fabulous storytelling and and stories.
3: Yeah, there's no ESPN to compete with, uh, them coming in with the cameras and all that. Right. If, If you came down a day early, you could just go talk to Barry Switzer for an hour before the game. Now, all his time would be taken by ABC or whoever it is, right? So... That's, uh, you know, that is, that is the, uh, the greatest change. And, of course, the Internet has changed that a lot, too. But, uh, that's you know, in, in our business, uh, access is, I mean, with baseball, you could wander out to the ballpark at 1.30 in the afternoon if you had nothing to do for a 7 o'clock game and go in a clubhouse and see who was hanging around. You know, usually they were laying on the couch watching Happy Gilmore or something for the hundred and thirtieth time. But, right. Uh, uh, but yeah, that I mean, you go and Guardy do his make out his lineup and might ask one coach for a little advice. You didn't have an hour and a half meeting to decide whether you're going to take out Dylan Bundy in the fourth
0: inning or not. They could probably stop having those meetings because they always take him out <laughs> yeah, in the fourth. Yeah, right. End. They
3: could, but. Uh, Anyway, that yeah, access has been the greatest change. Is that, that's, that's does that bother? Sure. Does
0: that bother you? Just in terms of the how hard it is to oh, kind of it, tell those stories it now? It or? makes
3: me. Uh, oh yeah, it makes me. I think. Well, one thing is, uh, you know, I'm a uh, alleged part timer now, yeah. and uh, don't uh, don't travel hardly at all. And I think it's a good time for that because I can go find a you know a piece and dundas or someplace and not worry about it because we have three other columnists chipping uh you know covering the bigger stuff so i i i've I, having done most of that stuff for the big stuff for a lot of years i kind of enjoy the the little stuff now so I, that's you know as long as i can come up with an idea i don't care what it is and the other the other thing is that uh we're very hit or hits oriented for the uh, internet, yes. uh, StarTribune.com, but they pretty much let me get away with murder, even though knowing that it may only get eight, you know, they might get 58 people to read it, but they let me write it anyway. So Patrick, I, like I have access
0: to all the numbers and your stuff is generally pretty well read no matter what. So know that even if you're not going for the clicks, the clicks are coming to you.
3: Well, that's, uh, that, that's, that's good to know, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I have, however, said one of the toughest things is I, it takes me longer to write a column than it ever did now, A, cause I'm old, but B, you gotta check everything, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. you know, yeah.
3: you gotta go to the internet. As, as Sid said, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on that internet mm-hmm. Yes, and, uh, You know, you can't just throw something out there in generalities because somebody can look it up and find out if you're wrong or not. So uh, it's uh, it takes extra information takes longer to uh, to write than uh, well.
0: Then you got to call in all your changes too.
3: Yes, I do that. I still have not figured out the uh, whatever the hell we're using now Chorus. chorus or whatever it is. I still, I'm the last of the emailers, and they let me get away with it. And they do always wait for me to send in the second version. So Third version, sometimes. Well, yeah. It, sometimes it'll, I found one last night at 11 p.m., and it sent it in, and <laughs> that was actually after deadline, but I think they got it, so that's good.
2: That's the other thing. He has the greatest memory. Yes. Of any person I've ever met. I mean, we... It, and I, look, I had to look up everything Pat said, but he would, you know, we, I, we would start like baseball. We're going to do baseball. <coughs> 1976. Rodney, <laughs> you know, the twins are in, in, in Kansas City in late August and Rodney goes four for five. and he, His average gets up to 408. So I'd go back that week and look up everything. It was verbatim. I mean, yeah. it was spot on. In, all, in those 50 hours, and all the stories, there was only one thing I could not verify. And I don't know if I just wasn't written about or you couldn't find it. But, I mean, and it would be spot on. So, I, you know, I can't remember last week. Sure. Patrick has this amazing ability to recall games and, like, verbatim and, and identical to how it happened. So, um, But, you know, some of my favorite chapters were his start with, with the radio TV yeah. uh, and his career with, with Such and, and how they uh, started, you know, sports talk, muddy sports talk and and talk radio and sports talk radio i didn't I didn't know all the details on that but it sounds like some of the best times of his life just the characters that they had calling in and how popular that duo with him and suture became
3: yeah it was a uh it's it we always uh take credit for starting talk radio sports talk radio in america because uh we uh, we went on at 81 at, at Sunday nights on KSDP, and we got fired in the spring of 82. Okay. And then Scott Meyer brought us back in the for uh, Monday night sports talk in the fall of 80, the week after Labor Day in 83. And then Scott Meyer's next job was starting WFAN in New York City, okay. which was the first. <laughs> nation's first all-day uh, sports talk uh, show and we, we always say he was inspired by the success of Monday night sports talk <laughs> that uh, he did it but uh, yeah he brought us uh, he, he brought us back and uh, then of course that show if you were around then was hijacked by impersonators yes and I think my favorite group that called us back then was Toads. Uh, which was a group of high school kids from White Bear Lake High School. Terrorists organized against disgusting sports. Okay. They'd, they'd call up and have skits, and uh, you know. You just, sk- you just let it go. Just let it go. No, oh, they didn't let them go. We didn't care. One <laughs> night they kidnapped, They didn't like Bob Bruce, right? They okay. Thought he was not good. One night they were kidnapping Bob Bruce <laughs> to take him off the air. And there were gunfire in the back, and the whole—they did the whole—they did like this whole five-minute thing. I don't—somewhere know, uh, that that stuff, somebody's got all that stuff someplace. But that was—that
2: uh, well, was pretty funny. And then the TV show with the uh, the sports Dark, star, the sports show. I mean, this.
3: Yeah, Dark uh, was uh, was one of the, the easily one of the most interesting characters I ever met. We created him, you know. He called yeah. in, and he called in to tell us Bud Grant was qu- quitting again. And no, this is uh, who is this? Dark Star. He said, "Okay, yeah." And then, in the spirit of the show, we went with it. Well, there it is. You got it officially. Uh, Dark Star has told us Bud Grant's quitting for the second time in '85. A- A- well, as it turned out, he got it from Mike Lynn's brother drinking at the Lafayette Club together, Robert. He and Robert were drinking together and denied by everybody, Sid and everybody, and then uh, two weeks later, Bud quit again wow. at the end of the season. And we, the, so Such ended up writing a column for the St. Paul paper about how there's a new scoop master in town to agitate Sid. You know, Sid's, <laughs> Sid's gone, Darkstar has replaced him. And Dark took that and ran with it. And uh, uh, my, my wife has some friends in the uh, media business, you know, and the, the women there were not big fans of Dark. And she, they'd always say to her, how does he know if she's, he's telling the truth or not? And I'd always say, who cares? They're great stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who cares? You know, they're, you know, they're entertaining. they entertainment. So, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I miss him a lot. There's uh, that void in my life to, uh, if we're watching one of the local teams, you know, play like idiots. Yeah. You got to have that person to call up to uh, exchange insults with. Right. And Dark was always that guy, you know, who you could call up and make fun of the home team. But I guess the story that. Yeah. The favorite with him, <laughs> I don't know. Do we want? I guess yeah. we want. To well, you it. might want
2: to leave out the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell. Who cares?
3: He. Uh, I. When Norm Green was having his playoff run in '91. Yeah. He built himself a Nero-like uh, balcony up in the okay. one far end. He'd be just temporary thing, took mm-hmm. up some seats, and <laughs> and during that playoff run. Norm would wave to the crowd and they'd all, uh, they'd cry, Norm, Norm, we love Norm then. And um, Dark decided that what he wanted more in life than anything was to be sitting next to Norm in that balcony one day, you know, in that, in that booth or whatever it was, and take one of his age-inappropriate girlfriends up there with him and, uh, and, uh, and uh, wave so uh he uh you wrote the column that i wrote uh, when they came home from pittsburgh tied 1-1 in the stanley cup finals we found out that norm was putting the stanley cup finals on pay-per-view oh yeah that's right twin city (laughs) that's right and only 35 percent of the twin cities could even buy it
0: Oh, my gosh.
3: So, and I'd got along with him. Imagine that. Now I'd, I'd got along with him well, and he called me when they were things were going bad. And, but I wrote this column. It was the first reference to Norm Greed. And I basically hammered the hell out of him in the afternoon paper, the dispatch. And then they won that night to take a 2-1 lead in the Stanley yeah, remember Cup that. Finals. And uh, I'm driving home, and Dark's doing the noon to midnight to 3 show. And the theme for the night is: Does the Twin Cities really need a negative sports columnist like Patrick Rice? <laughs> and everybody's calling it. Get that fat guy ah, We hate him. And they all hated him.
1: They all were
3: just ripped. So I got home at one in the morning. I called Dark on the in-studio line during the break, which I did often. Said that's really a good show you got there going tonight, Dark. He says. Ain't it great? They hate you. <laughs> I might do it again tomorrow night said, <laughs> With the next that's motivator. the kind of relationship uh, Dark and I had. A lot of needling.
0: Stuff, oh, so. that's amazing.
3: So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, when he, uh, it was. Uh, he's 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 missed. Uh, you haven't uh, you haven't lived until you watched High Lie in Tijuana <laughs> with twenty other people in Dark eating you know playing playing the most fixed sport in the world highlight and he thought that little taquitos in the highlight bar in in Tijuana were the finest food substance in the world they were, they were like little bricks you
0: know. uh Chip and Patrick enjoying this conversation let's finish up here because I know we got a lot of other appearances for you guys today uh Chip, I imagine when you write a book like this, there's things you know, there's things you don't know. Were there, was there one thing that stood out as a surprise or something that you were just like, I didn't really know that and I'm really glad I do now?
2: I think it's the first chapter. I did not know Patrick was adopted, that he was an orphan. He grew up his first 10 months in an orphanage. I didn't wow. know that story.
3: It took 10 months, too, because <laughs> I was a tub. <laughs> Uh, then I got, I was only 170 when I got out of high school, then I discovered beer, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there were some pictures of me as a little kid when they first got me, and I can see why mom said, yeah, let's try for another one here, I, <laughs> I don't want to carry that load around, so uh, it took a while to get adopted, yes it did, but I'm glad I ended up where I did, so
0: all well,
2: Minnesota
0: well, we're all glad you did, Patrick. Go check out the book, Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat: A Lifetime on Deadline, Patrick Roycey, Chip Scoggins, um, forward by Dan Barrero, your old Dan colleague Barrero.
3: as well. The forward's the best part of the book. It's outstanding. It's really good. <laughs> Sorry, Chip. Yeah, that's right. It's really no, good. I, 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 no, I wouldn't say You know, what I'm saying is it's really, it's really good. good. It's he gave me a big effort. Yeah. Suits is complaining that I didn't use him, and I said, because I know you'll give me 10 minutes. <laughs> You're always in a hurry. You're an impatient man. I
0: said. Well, we, well, I now-
3: need somebody with some pride. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, now I gotta go read the book too. You guys should as well. Patrick Roycey, Chip Scoggins, I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for joining us here today. Like I said at the beginning of the show, always great when Roycey gets going with the stories. Hope you guys enjoyed that and go pick up the book. It's a quick, easy, breezy read, a lot of fun. Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat, a lifetime on deadline. Congrats to Chip and Patrick on that collaboration. Let us finish with the cooler. Something interesting from ESPN's big piece on Russell Wilson and the breakup with the Seahawks that led to the off-season trade uh, going, to, uh, going to the Denver Broncos, and those teams will face each other on Monday night football in just a few days. The season opener, by the way, is tonight, Bills versus Rams. That should be a ton of fun. Of course, Vikings-Packers on Sunday um sounds like one thing that was interesting to me is how obsessed it sounds like russell wilson became with winning the mvp award um 2019 uh sounds like seattle was up 24 nothing in a game he was an early season contender for mvp and he was upset because after uh after taking a big halftime lead the the seahawks ran the ball a lot in the second half costing him a chance to become a front runner you know not letting him pad his stats um and he it that that kinda set sat weird with me. Um, you know, maybe we just don't realize how much these individual awards sometimes mean to these players, and especially especially Wilson, who has never gotten even an MVP vote. Uh you know, maybe it's just kind of the sign of disrespect. Maybe you can have aspirations of winning an award and still have aspirations of winning. And by all accounts he was a team player. But that that sat weird with me. That he was so obsessed with this that even in the context of a season where you know you're winning a game, why, why would that matter to you? Why why do you care so much about you know trying to trying to pad your stats? So it made me think about him a little bit differently, and I'll be watching that as the year goes on. And speaking of Russell Wilson, interesting, um, Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback, you might have heard of him ahead of Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and some other pretty good quarterbacks in. 538's um, early season Elo rankings number 9 among NFL quarterbacks in the Elo rating this so, so far this year um, at the beginning of this year so watch for that they, they, you know 538s got some pretty good statistical models they got some you know some some flaws in there too some outliers but um you know, like I wrote about on on Wednesday when we think about Kirk Cousins it always feels like you know even the people who like him will say well he's not a top tier quarterback and the people who don't like him will say well he he's not one of the worst it's kind of like trying to define where he fits into this kind of middle ground and here's one example of you know a, you know a statistical model saying he he fits in kind of more on the upper end of that and we'll see if he can play like that if he plays like the number 9 quarterback in the NFL right right now this season i think the vikings will be in decent shape this year if he doesn't if he's more like you know 16 to 20 they are going to struggle mightily so that is one thing to be watching for this season how much of of a jump can he take will he take and is he really worthy of being thought of as a top 10 quarterback that will do it for today like I said Megan Ryan coming up on tomorrow's show to talk about the twins Uh, plenty of good stuff coming up next week Vikings Packers Starting up kind of some of our, our more formatted football programming. We'll have Andrew Kramer on Tuesday next week for a film review. Plenty of other good stuff coming up. Hope you enjoyed today's show. I'll Be back at it again on Friday.